On today's episode, we discuss offend. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Glenn Blankenship is a friend of mine in this local Birmingham area. He started preaching about seven years ago, a little bit later in his life, and has been preaching full-time for the Argo Park congregation for about two years now. He's doing a great job. Uh, He is one of the most genuine and kind souls you'll ever meet, and I think it's appropriate for him to talk about this topic today. A few days ago, he actually reached out to me with several topics that he thought would be good to use on the podcast. And of course, I thought knowing Glenn as well as I know him, he would be the perfect person to talk about this word offend because he is the one who would be the last one in the world who'd want to do that to somebody, Uh, whether that be lead them into sin or hurt their feelings, both definitions of which we will talk about today. Let's jump right in. Uh, Glenn, go ahead and give us a definition of the word offend. Well, to to keep uh, some surprise going here, I know everybody's just on the edge of their seats with wanting to know about the word offend. One reason that I think of this word before we get into definition is because everybody gets offended. Uh, it seems like everybody gets offended these days. And I could say these days, but goodness gracious, that's been going on. You know, it, it's easy to talk about that in our, you know, the political climate that we have right now. But I have actually been thinking about this particular biblical concept of offend for, for for probably 30 years. But we do live in a society where everybody wants to get offended. Everybody gets offended. I get, even, even myself, as a preacher, you, you, you see what's going on in the audience, the congregation. And during my sermon recently, I looked out and somebody, you know, rolled their eyes. Adam, I, you probably can't believe that, that would ever happen. And uh, I was so offended. I was so offended by that. I mean, how could someone sit out there in plain view, and roll their eyes while I'm preaching the gospel. How offensive is that? After all, 1 Corinthians 10, 32 says, uh, at least the New King James Version says, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Gentiles or to the church of God. Well, hey, number one, I'm a Gentile. Number two, I'm in the church of God. So that person must have directly disobeyed the commandment of God, right? But that's not what that means, of course. It also goes with the Jesus' comments in Luke 17, verses 1 and 2, where he said, It's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. So, you know, the thing about offending these days, now here I'm going to give the, the first definition that could be given for an offense or to offend. 
And that would be basically the idea of, of hurting someone's feelings uh, to cause annoyance and, and maybe cause anger. Anger may be a, a harsh word. Frustration might be a better word there. So that is typically when someone says they have been offended at something, it means they've, they've been bothered by it. And maybe they've been hurt by it. So I think at the least, they've been bothered or they've been annoyed. At the worst, that their feelings really got hurt. And those are both real. But the thing is, in 1 Corinthians 10, 32, which I read earlier, when he says, give no offense, it seems like I am no, and by the way, no, no Greek scholar or anything like that, but it seems like that word basically meant to give others a, something of a smooth road so as not to stumble. And so metaphorically, it would be not leading others to sin by, by, by one's mode of life. So he, what he's saying in Luke 17 is, I am not to live a life and to be aware of the things that I do so that things that I do would not cause someone else to do something that they ought not do, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So here's what I find interesting. If, if we are defining offense or being offended by having your feelings hurt. Jesus was probably one of the most offensive people that ever walked on this earth because some of the things (laughs) he taught would have absolutely hurt the feelings of the people around him. And you already referred to Luke 17. So, you know, here at the very beginning, it talks about not giving offense. But then if you keep reading in Luke 17, Look at all the ways Jesus would have offended at least our modern day audience with our modern day sensitivities that we have in our world. You know, verse five and six, the apostles say, increase our faith. And Jesus says, you know what? If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could make all this work, <laughs> which meant if you had the tiniest amount of faith possible, you could make this work. Well, that, that would have been offensive in a lot of ways. Uh, He goes on verse 7 through 10 and tells the story about how we are just slaves and it doesn't matter how hard we have to work or how unfair life is, when it all said and done, we've only done our duty. That's the only proper response. Well, that would be offensive to our modern day audiences. Uh, You've got the next story, verse 11 through 19, where the 10 lepers are cleansed and only one of them says, thank you. And there you've got a story where probably, you know, our modern day world would have been like, if we were Jesus, we'd be offended by that because those nine didn't come back and say, thank you. You know, just again and again and again, you've got, quote, offensive things happening here. And that makes me think, like you're saying, that this isn't merely about whether someone's feelings are hurt. This is about causing someone to stumble, causing someone to make decisions that are wrong, that are sinful. Would you agree with those those observations? For the most part, somebody might say, well, how, how would it be that I can cause someone to make a decision that caused them to, you know, to sin? So I, you know, I do something and just, just by me doing something that causes them to make their own decision to sin as well. That kind of seems like an an odd concept, especially if we all have our own decisions. To if if we're in charge of our own decisions, we have our free will. Then Adam, just because you do something, that doesn't seem like it would be cause for me to sin. I think that what we're talking about here really is influence. I think we're talking about the power 
of influence. Can I force you to make a decision? No, I can't. Uh, you might say, well, you, I didn't have a gun put to your head. Well, you know, even if I do have a gun pointed to your head, you still you still make your own decision. And, and uh, matter of fact, I just thought of this, but the gun to the head would probably be the most extreme example of influence. Yeah. Somebody's got a gun to your head. You you still don't. I mean, you you see that this happened throughout history, especially with with uh, Christians in the church, uh, people that have strong views, and they get persecuted by by the governments or by powerful uh, organizations. Look at Daniel and and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't bow down before this king, we're going to throw you into the lion's den. Okay. Well, that they made a decision. They made a decision not to give in to that influence. But the point of the power of influence is that when, like you talked about with the eating of eating of the meats, um, that can be, it can be so powerful. You know, I have, I have respect for you, Adam. I have respect for so many, you know, godly people, preachers, elders, uh, just people who love God, people who are students of the word. I have so much respect for, for all, all of these people that it would be very easy for one of them, one of you that I respect to do something that I'm just, not, maybe I'm not sure about, maybe I'm not comfortable with, but because you do it, okay, Adam Adam isn't going to do something that's wrong, especially in front of me or front of other people, because Adam loves the gospel and he, he doesn't want to hinder that. So, okay, that, then that must mean it's okay for me to do it. And and then I have then given in as I've made my own choice and you have not forced it upon me. But man, the power of influence and what Jesus thought of that in some of these, you know, in some of these words. I think what he's saying is you need to take time to consider your actions because people are watching and people follow what they see. So what you're saying makes me think of Galatians 5, verse 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So here mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, yes, we have a lot of freedoms when it comes to serving God. Yep. But I cannot use my freedom to serve myself. My freedom should be used to serve others. Here I am a, a Christian. I've been a Christian for 29 years. I've been a Christian for a, a few years. I could go use my freedom that I have in Christ. You know, I've got I've got five children. They, you know, two of them are Christians, three of them are not. The two that are Christians have not been Christians very long because they're young. I mean, they're still learning. They're still developing their thought process. They're still learning to discern between good and evil. Well, if I'm out there just throwing my freedom around like a banner, you know, and and trying to just exercise every freedom I've got, you know, we all know children take an inch and go a mile with it. Sure. You know, if, if I'm trying to make clever arguments with scripture that are that are sketchy at best, but can't be proven wrong, my children are going to see that and take that same ideal and go go a mile with it. And, and they're not going to have the same level of discerning between right and wrong that I do. So they're going to 
go way far into the realm of wrong because of my influence. Because here, well, dad wouldn't be doing things that would hurt us. He wouldn't be trying to take us the wrong way. And it could really go the wrong way because of my lack of wisdom when it comes to them. In those cases, I'm using my freedom to serve myself, not to serve others. Hence, when that happens and you and and they go that other direction into the wrong, into sin, that is the the offending that is being talked about here. You have done more than hurt their feelings. Matter of fact, their feelings might not have even been hurt. You've done more than bothered them or annoyed them, which, come on, we're both fathers. We annoy them all the time. So, you know, if he, if he is talking about just bothering someone in terms of annoying them, hurting their feelings, hey, I'm, I'm guilty all the time. <laughs> I'm guilty all the time when it comes to yeah. my kids and my wife. I mean, goodness knows I'm always annoying them and bothering them with things. So, uh, but yeah, that, that's the offense, what you just described, I believe. That is the offending that is being talked about in these particular uh, passages, Luke 17, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. But then the interesting thing is that, and it will, well, you brought this up earlier, that there are offense, that Jesus was offensive to people. His teachings are offensive, can be offensive. They, they are especially offensive to those who don't know and don't understand. I think they're, I think they can be offensive to even believers from time to time. But the first time someone hears some of his teachings, that they're going to be, you know, offensive. But truth hurts feelings and it causes discomfort. And it should. I think it should for everyone because I think that's part of how we grow. That's how we learn. And that's how we come, you know, that's how we become better. If I'm never caused to have discomfort, then that means there's nothing that I'm doing that I could make better, that I could change. And we should always be wanting to change and, and become better, you know, for God and for the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. I do think there is a, a set of verses in Scripture or a topic that is often talked about that does deal with the hurting of feelings. Absolutely. And I think sometimes we, you know, I, I don't want anybody listening to think that we're sitting here going, well, you can go hurt anybody's feelings you want nope. as long as you don't cause them to sin. That's uh, that, obviously not the case either. I completely, yep, I agree. So we've got, you know, like Galatians, it says, you know, we should use our freedom for the purpose of serving one another. You know, the, the phrase that comes to my mind, being slow to anger or being slow to cause anger. And maybe maybe that deals with this idea of offense. You know, Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes the city. Refrain from anger, Psalm 37, verse 8. Uh, there are other passages like Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you've got this principle of doing your best not to be the cause of anger for self or for others. Absolutely. And I certainly, you know, while I was thinking about what what we might say today, that that came into, you know, to my thought as well, because the the point of, of me even thinking about the word offend was really more to say that simply, that's just not what is, it, the idea of being of hurting feelings, 
that's just not what's being talked about in the verses that we typically use the word offend in. And by the way, I could not find the use of, of offend or offense in these verses except for the King James and the New King James Version. So I think a lot of this goes back to what is now probably a translation that uses words in a different way than, than what we use them now. But you're exactly right. Romans 12, 18 is another one of those. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. How on earth am I going to live peaceably if I'm going around hurting people's feelings all the time? Well, and that that's where, I, again, I what I find interesting is that there is a sense of responsibility that is placed on both parties. You know, oh, there yeah. are verses that say, uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry for anger rests in the bosom of fools. So that places the responsibility on the one being angered. But then Proverbs 15, 18, a hot tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. That places the responsibility on the one who is doing the angering. And so both parties are responsible for controlling their emotions, for controlling their intentions, for controlling their influence, uh, as you mentioned earlier. And so we have to be the kind of people who are both slow to anger and slow to angering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's the easiest way to put that. Well, I'm thinking of like weight distribution. The burden is equally distributed on the hearer and the speaker. And that's, but that's the way it is in Christianity. I, I am to love and people are, and I, I, I'm to help bear the burdens of people. They need to allow me to help bear their burdens and vice versa. I need to try my best not to hurt feelings, but I also need to try my best not to allow my feelings to be hurt to the point of sinning. And so it works on both sides that way. There's a passage over in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That phrase, speaking the truth in love, I have often tried to use that phrase to say the, the opposite is also true. We have to be those who hear the truth in love. You know, we can't just speak the truth to other people lovingly, but I have to also be willing to hear the truth, even a difficult truth, or an, uh, as you said earlier, an offensive truth. But I have to hear that from the perspective of love. Uh, and and that, that responsibility is on both sides of the table there. Uh, I, I will say I, I get frustrated sometimes with people who have a kind of a calloused approach to presenting the truth of, well, you know, the truth just isn't popular and people aren't going to want to hear it. And so you just get out there and say what needs to be said, no matter whether they're going to like it or not. Right. And they place all the responsibility on the hearer. Oh, yeah. But there's so much said in Scripture about, you know, speak, you know, 1 Peter 3.21, whenever we are, for, not 3.21, 3, 15 and 16, be yeah. willing to give a defense for the hope that's in you. But verse 16 says, but do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. 
yes, defend what I believe, but I'm to do it with gentleness and reverence. I'm to speak the truth with love. The, the greater weight, or at least an equal amount of the weight, is placed on me as the speaker. And so I have to be willing to share truth, yes, but to share truth with the right attitude. Oh, man, yeah. And, and really, it's interesting because even though this, the topic that we're discussing started with and was based on the idea of, hey, Jesus wasn't saying here not to hurt feelings. I believe that there are actually more teachings in the Bible about not hurting feelings than they are being a uh, rock of offense, as Jesus yeah. is, is called. Um, you know, I was thinking of uh, Galatians 6, uh, 1. You know, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. If I notice, Adam, that you're, that you, you're caught up in something, that transgression, you're, you're not pleasing God, you're sinning, and, you know, that's, that's, that's going to offend you, you know, if I come to you about that. But I should not do it with the attitude, as we've heard this done so often, seen it done, maybe done it ourselves, maybe had it done to us, where somebody comes and says, you're caught up in what? I can't believe that. You're a horrible person. You, you should have known better and just really, you know, that's not very gentle. And it's very offensive. But even if I come to you the most gentle way possible, it's still going to be a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward. Uh, you know, so there's going to be a little bit of, 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 of offense in terms of hurting, hurting feelings. But we ought to be as gentle as possible. I think it kind of goes back to another concept uh, being uh, blameless, uh, that we should try our best not to give reason for someone to come back at us to say, well, if, if he had said it the right way, then maybe I would have listened. We should try to say it the right way to begin with. We must do our best not to offend people. That means, of course, as Glenn said, not bring them to sin. But also, we need to be careful that we're not hurting people's feelings or setting up roadblocks for getting the gospel into people's hands or setting up barriers for people remaining faithful. Let's work on those relationships just as much as we work on the truth. I hope this episode has been helpful to you, and I hope it is something you'll be willing to share with your friends because that's how we get the word out about preach impediments and send them to preachimpediment.com where all past episodes are listed in alphabetical order. And if you want to reach out to us, we'd love that. Just send us a prayer request, or you may even send us topics for future episodes. We'll do our best to get to those. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.